welcome to Taiwan War 9 on The Witch with Flying Head and Calamity of Snakes. And it's from the director of The Devil, Zhang Renjie. And as spoken of during Taiwan War 6, we couldn't find any biographical info on the director. Uh, but despite this varied genre output from Zhang, including martial arts movies and category 3 movies in the 90s, he clearly liked his goo and gore for at least two movies, uh, a, a lot more seemingly than uh, the other movies. And one was of course The Devil from 1981, and one of tonight's movies uh, is uh, his as well, Witch with Flying Head from the year after. So that's first. In the second half, the snakes get it for real. And that's not me saying that's a good thing. Uh, they get back at the humans in a fictional sense though, but they get it for real, documentary style almost, in Calamity of Snakes. So welcome to Asian Cinema and the Snake Terror, that is uh, that Taiwanese movie. And my name is Kennedy, and with me is a new voice on the network, and it's Todd from the blog Die Danger Die Die Kill, aka 4DK. So say hello buddy. Hey Ken, how's it going? Thanks very for having good. me. Very good. No problem at all. I, I, I pick up on someone who uh, likes his um, crazy, freaky movies, I suppose, and writes about them. And uh, what a blog name. Uh, and uh, a blog name that you can reduce <laughs> to a kind of a cool uh, catchphrase as well. 4DK. So, I almost uh, wish I'd thought of the, uh, the acronym first, but, well, you know, it works out. Well, as long as someone doesn't swipe it from underneath your feet and tries to make a profit out of it, haha, I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> there actually is some kind of a big uh, monolithic corporation called 4DK, which is why I haven't been able to get that as the actual, uh, you know, URL for the site. I can't, I can't remember what they manufacture, but I'm sure it's something, you know, toxic and horrible for the world. <laughs> <laughs> 40k is not affiliated with 40k you have to have a, like a disclaimer at the bottom right. of the blog yes uh, but you'll get to talk about that blog and what it all is and where it is on the net uh, after the regular contact information this is Taiwan Noir on the Podcast on Fire network website for this and all the other shows plus the bonus episodes is podcastonfire.com email for feedback podcastonfire at googlemail.com we are on Facebook you can uh, go to facebook.com forward slash POF network and that's the page that you can click uh, if you like us and you can interact with us on there but uh, most of the interactivity and the activity is in the Facebook group that you can reach via a link on that page or type in podcast on fire network in the Facebook search box and uh, that'll get you the group request to be added and you're instantly in I, I usually say even if you are a porn bot you're instantly in because uh, I would enjoy that presence as well. So, right, porn bots welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we do a show called This Week in Sleaze, so clearly we're not sensitive mm. folks over at this network. <laughs> and uh, we're also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I do my writing of Taiwanese movies, of ninja exploitation, of category three movies, and in general stuff that I find cool at SoGoodReviews.com and I also do little uh, video reviews, little spoken mini commentaries on the movies I review at SleazyKVideo.com and I'm, I am on Twitter as well, Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Taiwan War is on iTunes if you want to subscribe to us and download us to your preferred device uh, and if you do so on a regular basis or semi-regular semi basis, please leave a little... Um, star rating uh, of your choice and even a written comment if you like the show or if you didn't like the show we're, we would very much appreciate that feedback and it uh, gets us um, 
could get our profile raised ever so slightly but uh, then again to turn that a little bit on its head that would be great to get many reviews but we are so goddamn specialized that uh, the reviews come every now and again you know we're not a podcast that talks about iron man and star wars <laughs> so um but uh we uh we, we are very happy with uh, the feedback that we do get if you prefer to stream your podcasts you can do that via the application stitcher you can do it online but the best uh, way that i that i recommend and prefer is via the application available to your iphone ipad android or blackberry and once you're in stitcher type in the specific name of the show you want to add Taiwan War, What's Korean Cinema, or Podcast on Fire, and you can add us to your favorite list. And also, we'd like to plug every every show, even though he's not on the show, but I love his blog, uh, uh, Jesus' blog, Out of Spain, uh, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles, because he takes the time to identify certain Taiwanese movies that were used as source movies in these various cut-and-paste movies that uh, IFD and Filmark uh, uh, cut together and presented. So Richard Harrison... Uh, walking alongside a Taiwanese movie or, or what have you and and I think it's a really important work to identify the actual movies because I, IFD and Filmark movies are kind of looked at as uh, trash with no value and uh, the cinema beneath that definitely has a lot uh, a great value sometimes so Jesus uh, does a great great job identifying a lot of that stuff and talk, talking about uh, how IFD and Filmark uh, cracked the Spanish uh, video market for instance so it's uh, really cool stuff uh, that link uh, can be found in the show post as well. But uh, over to you, Todd. First of all, the blog again uh, is called what? And what's the URL for the blog? Uh, it is die danger die die kill. It can be found at die danger die die kill dot blogspot dot com. Uh, I also oh, it's also on Twitter, which is at uh, Twitter slash. 4DK, which is the word for F-O-U-R-D-K, all caps. <laughs> Once again, the, the the corporate raiders, you know, prevented me from having a more, uh, ele- you know, legible Twitter handle. Um, I also write for Teleport City, which is teleport-city.com. I'm doing a lot of music stuff there lately. And I do the Infernal Brains podcast with Tars Tarkas, which has been on hiatus for a while, but we're finally starting to talk about doing some new episodes in the coming weeks. And so that's Excellent. Well, you're, you're, you're an even more busy man than I thought. I didn't know you wrote for Teleport City, but uh, that's a great site. I, I enjoy yes. their uh, take, on, uh, take on cult cinema and cinema in general, if you will. Uh, but but I have it only. I've only scratched the surface, kind of of the content, obviously. Uh, but uh, really good stuff. But uh, b- back to your blog. I mean, um, even though you might not consider it your main uh, main occupation, you know what 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 is the, what, what is the blog like? How would you sell this blog? Is is it a very? Does it come with a mission statement that I review these types of movies, or is it just your random stream of consciousness that you present on the blog, if you will? Well, if there's a mission statement, it's sort of developed over time. Um, Basically, what I cover is uh, off-the-beaten-path foreign genre movies, uh, pulp, pop. I mean, I call it pop films. Just a a lot of the stuff that we we don't get over in the States, you know, uh, Turkish uh, action movies, Pakistani action movies, just anything that you know you're not going to find on, you know, on cable at night and has, 
you know, has has sort of a pulp edge to it. I like to see the way that, uh, you know, the things that every culture has in common in terms of, you know, every cu- culture loves trash on some level. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, like we all, uh, you know, no matter where you're from, we all love secret agents and superheroes and gross monsters and stuff like that. So those are the connect, you know, so I try and, look for those connections and a lot of times in those connections it also by looking at those you can also see it illuminates the cultural differences if that makes any sense it's really interesting this sounds a lot more highfalutin than my site reads though i, I review mean, you, crap movies is I, there right, actual I, subtitle yeah, <laughs> no, I was yeah, just kidding. i know i'm trying it's, <laughs> I, it's like i'm doing a grant proposal or something like that but yes if you go to the site you'll find there's lots of swearing and uh irreverence and stupidity as well and that's that's part of my mission statement as well that it should be fun and that film writing with with teleport city i think that um i our film writing i think is very pleasure positive there's mm-hmm. not the uh the sort of um, medicinal approach to to film criticism where film should be something that kind of goes down heavy um it's okay to like it's okay to like silly movies you know it's okay to like uh, like these kind of films, you know, I I don't think that your film taste has to be something that you curate like a you know like a trophy cabinet. No, you know? no, no. So, uh, so we're trying to put that. So I'm trying to put that across to just just the idea of films as just being watching films as being a fun activity. And oh yeah, and that word is sorely um, quite uh, the majority of viewers on uh, you know in the world knows fun is connected to movies but if you read the loudest ones on the internet, uh, the loud minority I don't think they can spell the word fun anymore Right. Because it's yeah. uh, it's the you know the manic tapping of the keyboards and the uh, so right to say, exactly. uh, so to say film discussion, which is that's not film discussion. Um, but I I don't really um, hang out at those places anymore. I I I'm yeah. I'm the same. I try to go where the fun is for me, and it only I'm the only one that counts really yeah. uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> Within all this, is Taiwan cinema something that you come across and even has a you know, um, a like or love for, or uh, how, how do you view that? Yeah, I I do. Uh, I especially have uh, I've I especially have a fondness for Thai. Uh, I gotta keep. I wa- I write about a lot of Thai uh, movies from Thailand too, so I have to be mm-hmm. careful not to say Thai when I mean Taiwanese here. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I love Taiwanese fantasy. Films. Uh, Tars Tarks and I have talked a lot on our podcast about uh, Taiwanese sort of special effects wuja films, yes. especially any of them that have uh, rubber monsters or you know, uh, I love movies where there's like people battling with uh, laser beams coming out of their hands and stuff like, like cartoon lasers and all that stuff. I love things like that. Um, uh, so yes, I'm very fond of and 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 I love uh, Pearl Changling. Huge fan of Pearl Changling. Yes, the the, the kind of uh, film w- female filmmaking machine of these kind of movies. You know, yeah, we talked exactly. we, we talked about Wolf Devil Woman and yeah. uh, on the show, and obviously there were female directors. Some directed uh, swordplay movies and stuff like that. But Pearl was a different kind of beast. She uh, she headed it 
in this kind of uh, manic way herself for a few movies, which is very admirable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also uh, Polly Shane Kwan, huge fan of Polly Shane Kwan. Mm. So uh, films like uh, Little Hero. Oh, uh, good yeah. that you said Little Hero first. Now yeah. I know you're a good guy, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the acid test, huh? Uh, little Hero is this, I don't know what it's about, but it has a fight with not even rubber monsters. I think they're more uh, just guys they're like, in uh, cloth, cloth puppets. I, I don't know, but the, the octopi or whatever yes, exactly. they're supposed to be. They're they're octopi that do battle by shooting other smaller octopi out of yes. their, out of their blowholes, and <laughs> and this yes. is sort of presented as something we're just supposed to take in stride in the course of the movie. Movies like the yeah, a movie like Little Hero or Wolf Devil Woman, I'd say, is is right in in the spirit of of exactly the type of films that sort of justify me doing something like 40k something you would never see coming out of the mainstream film industry mm. you know seeing th- you'll see things in these movies that you will never see anywhere else and you'll only find them by really spelunking into the depths of uh of world cinema you know so uh, when you find something like uh, little hero or a wolf devil woman or uh, I even felt this way a little bit about Wish with Flying Head. Uh, you know, that's not a movie that you're going to find on uh, on cable. It's not something that's part of any the canon of any kind of uh, you know film fandom or anything like that. And it's definitely you're not going to see these things unless you really dig for them. And uh, that's that's what I'm all about when it comes to movies. Excellent, good attitude. And you, you mentioned that you uh, did uh, do the Infernal Brain. Is it Brain or Brains? Or brains, Brains. Right, right, right. Uh, it's always Brains, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've, I've listened to a few episodes, uh, the, the ones mainly that touched upon Taiwanese fantasy and all of that. But, uh, w- you know, if there's any mis- mission statement about Infernal Brains, uh, what's your yours and Toss uh, kind of uh, thought of... Uh, what you wanted to do with the podcast and any thought about what you're going to do in the future um i think yeah infernal brains is is, i mean maybe tars would have a different take on it but to me the podcast seems a little more free form in that it sort of takes place at the point where tars and my tastes meet you know Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like we have to agree upon you know, week to week, we agree upon what we're going to discuss, and I think we have a little bit of different uh, take on things. He's a little younger than I am. I'm a little bit more of an old fogey than he is, and uh, uh, but I think we just try and think of things that we can discuss that we'll have fun with. But definitely, there's a you know, the first thing we did were those Taiwanese uh, kaiju movies, mm-hmm. uh, and that was definitely a, an early point where we really connected we both like those kind of movies and any kind of movie that has uh some kind of a monster in it some kind of a cheap cheesy monster will usually get us on board but we've done a lot of you know we've done a a pretty wide range of things we've done a lot of things on mexican cinema Mm -hmm. uh lucha movies and japanese movies and pretty wide range but i I, seems to me we're just kind of we're 
we're taking it one day at a time. We don't have, uh, we never sit down and have these serious kind of uh, strategy meetings where we decide where, where do we want the infernal brains to go? You know, what is what is the infernal brains 2.0 going to look like? Mm, uh, no, it's it's just yeah, we just kind of we just kind of do it, and sometimes I think it comes off. Oh, it's not, once in a while, we get one that sounds a little ramshackle, but. Uh, when it works, it really works, and it's got kind of a, a a shaggy dog feel to it that I like. Well, the ones I listen to still contain the, the Taiwanese stuff. They still contain as much info as you can squeeze out of these movies that has so little info. Anyway, yeah. you know, it, it's not like you sit around like beefs and butter or anything and and chuckle right. at the movies. You know, you try to put right. forth like there's no subtitles. I don't know what's going on. The monster is cool. Right. There's if if some that's the that. only thing we have, let's share that at least. Yeah. You know. Well, we've benefited in the like the the um, Pearl Chongling episode. We really benefited from having uh, Dave uh, Wells from the uh, Soft Film blog, who knows mm-hmm. who's like has an encyclopedic knowledge of of. Uh, Chinese language film, and he and he and Tars both are are like research dynamos. So when they get their teeth in the subject, they really just kill themselves trying to get as much information as they could. That's why I'm really really proud of that Pearl Changling episode because Dave just dug up a ton of information on her. Mm. So uh, and and Tars did as well. And he also did a an episode with us on the Jane Bond films, all the Connie Chan. Uh, Cantonese language films that were influenced by the James Bond movies that was pretty good too. But another yeah. two-part one because we just ended up just blabbing and blabbing about it, <laughs> kind of like I am now. Uh, it's all good. I definitely recommend it. We'll uh, showcase some links in the show post to the specific uh, episodes and what have you and uh, hopefully get your numbers up ever so slightly uh, uh, and especially now that you are resuming at some point uh, here in the near future, hopefully. Uh, yes. So it'll be good. Uh, okay, uh, let me give you a rundown of uh, what uh, will be going on here in uh, the episode. Uh, we are going to start off with uh, Witch with Flying Head, which is uh, a simple section because there's no huge background information on either the director or the film. Mm. So we're going to launch pretty much straight into that review. Uh, we'll take a break after that, and uh, after that, uh, after we resume, we'll talk director William Chang, his biography. It's a mad biography, so uh, you 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 do want to catch that. And after that, we'll dive into Calamity of Snakes, uh, the, the, the review. <laughs> and and uh, I I say these sections now because. Uh, uh, there will be running times listed in the show post uh, where each of these sections uh, start and what have you. So if you want to jump uh, to the Witch with Flying Head review or uh, the Calamity of Snakes review, you're welcome to do so. And uh, that's your guide. So I just wanted to start off by saying that. And uh, let's uh, get it going then. And uh, Witch with Flying Head, there's, uh, again, not much to say. So there's a pl- plot and super minor background that uh, I'm going to offer you of your listeners and you thought and then uh, we're off and running so plot from my review of the film and I write crap plots I hate <laughs> that aspect of right of uh, reviewing mm. uh, but I try to keep it simple and it is really simple for this one it's not um, it's not epic uh, cinema or anything so while praying for good fortune for her family the opposite is about to happen to the character of Yu Chun played by Shan Xiu Chen 
an evil sorcerer played by Masha or tattooer Ma. Um, if you ever saw IFD and Filmark movies, uh, their westernized credits uh, changed Masha's, uh, uh, well, not changed his name, but they gave him a western name, and it always was tattooer Ma. Uh, based on the fact that he has a lot of tattoos and were in a lot of gangster movies and that was usually his role but here he's an evil sorcerer, a snake sorcerer and he uh, turns up and sends a snake curse into Yu Chun's body he offers up a cure but uh, what uh, Yu Chun and her handmaiden soon find out is that this cure so to say will turn Yu Chun into a flying witch unless she agrees to marry the sorcerer which she doesn't and off we go, you know. <laughs> the movie flies after that, and a witch with flying head will manifest itself. It's not like it's a tease, this movie, a, a title tease and a plot tease. You know, this will happen. And, yes. Uh, both, uh, of, both of the movies we're discussing today are very... Uh, both come with titles that they really deliver upon, I have to say. Oh, definitely. I wonder what yeah. the chi- Chinese title of these um, these respectively are. If they're like vague kind of attempts at being right. poetic, or if they're just like, you know, witch terror, snake terror in Chinese, who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, as mentioned, there's no... We, we tried to do uh, research on the director of the witch, uh, Zhang Renjie, uh, but my uh, good friend Sylvia Roram, uh, who does... Uh, uh, does know a fair bit of uh, Chinese and uh, studies it uh, continually and likes to do this kind of research. Uh, there wasn't any in Chinese on uh, Director Shang. So mm. the only thing we can say in terms of putting uh, the movie into context in his career and all of that, this was his eighth movie made since 1978, uh, which was made in 1982. And uh, there seemed to be more of a lean towards horror in his uh, filmography because obviously you got the devil, you got this one, but also the 1980 movie and uh, that seems awfully rare called called Born in Coffin. Mm. Uh, that seems like based on the poster art, like a ghost movie. And uh, the poster art was striking enough for me to like really, really wanted to see it, even if it was um, you know a crop to full screen English dubbed or or in the case of which uh, you know a Chinese. Um, uh, Chinese language cropped subtitled version that that'll do me just fine just as long as I can see it because it's um, I don't know a, a free horror movies from the same director um, based on what I've seen that like his take on horror is kind of interesting so hopefully Born in Coffin will uh, turn up uh, eventually Zhang ended up making 20 movies in his career the last of which was Wondrous Killer from 1993 and uh, that I haven't seen it's labeled as Bullet Ballet on Hong Kong Movie Database so it's some kind of action movie uh, but I saw one of his last movies actually not too long ago. Uh, it was a category three movie, adults only movie called Journalist Story. What a riveting title! <laughs> Journalist <laughs> Story. Uh, it doesn't contain anything really akin to that or anything truly likable, uh, especially compared to the witch, uh, witch with flying head of the devil. Uh, but there is some some low budget, budget erotica and uh, category three Coxman Charlie Cho not only has uh, sex scenes but he actually shoots guns in this one which mm. uh, for fans of Charlie Cho that's an unusual sight of him you know with a fully automatic machine gun <laughs> so right on so that's really the background we have and uh, this launches us neatly into the discussion of the movie so first of all we'd like to do this uh, Todd we'd like to hear a brief opinion a brief yes or uh, yes or no or like or dislike for the movie so in short terms so first of all in uh, in your own words which with flying head what did you think what did I think well before I have an opinion I had a, a sort of question I wanted to put forward because oh. um, 
the the creature, the witch with the witch with flying head in this movie is more than just a flying head. It's a flying head with all the plumbing attached. Basically, you've got yes. the lungs and the and the intestines and all that good stuff hanging off it, and which makes it uh, what's called a a krasu in Thailand and in Indonesia I think they call it a leek or a liak mm-hmm. um, of which there's a lot of representations in, in Thai cinema and also in Indonesian cinema I think probably the most well known uh, representation of this creature in a movie is in the Indonesian movie uh, Mystics in Bali where a oh. hapless where a hapless German tourist gets uh gets cursed with being a liac and ends up going <laughs> and sucking uh you know fetuses out of women's wombs which this monster in uh which this creature in uh which with flying head doesn't do this is actually a traditional vampire who flies after guys and latches on their necks mm-hmm. but the what i was wondering is is uh i didn't know that this creature was also a part of Taiwanese uh, folklore, or if it was at all. Do you know, Ken? Have you? Are there any other Taiwanese movies that feature this particular beast? Never seen anything like it. Uh, much yeah. of Taiwanese cinema that I like uh, and that we discussed, they are so connected to... Not even Hong Kong did this stuff. It was If we look yeah. at purely filmmaking like desires uh, Taiwanese cinema went some way weirder places than Hong Kong of course Hong Kong has their you know occasional monster movies and special effects right. movies you know you got Inframan Mikey Peking Man or what have you but uh, Taiwan just seemed like god damn it we're gonna do it more we, we want to do it more and more and more uh, but I haven't seen this represented in a movie at all in Hong Kong or Taiwanese cinema yeah, yeah. well it's yeah I mean it's definitely right up the Taiwanese alley as far as yeah being a, a strange and kind of grotesque monster and then they and then they mix it up with uh, tropes from the Hong Kong black magic movies you know we have lots of uh, shots of, of snakes wriggling around in people's guts and stuff like that so it's yeah. kind of a nice little synergy they get going before we um, I'm really curious uh, do you do you rate uh, stuff like mystics in Bali way higher is that a total cool technical achievement that which doesn't even come close to is mystics in Bali really you know on the same low budget level if you will there yeah all, all of these films are pretty low budget there's also a great uh, Thai film called Ghost of Guts Eater which is about on the same <laughs> which is about on the same level um, it, yeah it, with these movies it really doesn't come down to the lavishness of their production values it's really a matter of just imagination and what they do with it I would probably uh, yeah I would rate this uh, Witch with Flying Head below the other two that I mentioned though I still enjoyed the Witch with Flying Head because I enjoy the Krasu it's just such a bizarre thing and it harkens back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show that um, this is a creature that you just, I don't think there you that it has had any representation in Western culture at all, and it's just not something you would stumble upon unless you were like really digging around the nether regions of uh, Southeast Asian 
uh, low-budget films. And then once you stumble upon it, it's one of those things. It's like, my God, it's everywhere. There's just tons of these Krasu movies. Yeah. There's even, like, romances with, you know, <laughs> boy loves Krasu sort of thing. In fact, there's always sort of a, a romantic element. Even in this film, it's sort of a tragic aspect of this woman doesn't want to be the witch with flying head. She has her... Her, her lover who has to leave every month on the 15th because that's the day she turns into the into the the flying head which they that's, call the flying a, evil in the movie uh, actually it's death time of the month I suppose <laughs> yeah which I thought which I thought was funny because once the Taoist priest kind of fixes her up and says from now on you'll only turn into the flying evil on the 15th of the month um that seems like that's, I mean, you know, not the most desirable circumstance, but you think from that point, her handmaidens, that she, her handmaidens, and her husband, that it would pretty much be first and foremost on their minds to keep track of that date, but somehow every time it manages to sneak up on them, where they're like, oh shit, it's the 15th, <laughs> you know. And we wouldn't then, have a so, movie so otherwise. That at least... Uh, well, it's, oh. it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, at least it's generous in that way, so it doesn't cheat us of the spectacle of uh, her chasing her husband around as a flying head. Um, and then, uh, and, but I and enjoyed, on, and on I that, enjoyed uh, the movie for that reason. Go yeah, ahead. Uh, and on that note, that spectacle, you know, uh, it really lives up to the concept on paper, you know, and on the poster. They right. really do a good job you know uh bringing that to life in my opinion uh you know and it remains kind of yeah. awesome largely i think this movie has some inventive low budget special effects uh, done lovingly and uh, mm -hmm. it, a great first half then it kind of does add a few too many characters and extra plot but that that's excusable because you go from a kind of awesome level to a way than tolerable level and uh uh, so it goes from kind of holy shit, this is so much fun to write. This is this is tolerable, and uh, there will yeah. be spectacle ahead. So, uh, so if anyone was worried, you know, knowing the kind of rep this movie has and seeing the poster and the still images, it kind of does live up to that, and uh, mm -hmm. so it uh, needs to be uh, admired uh, for that. Uh, but all right, uh, I want to start off a little uh, at the beginning because uh, if you want to draw a sort of line from the devil. Uh, uh, this movie does partly what that movie does, i.e., you know, putting worms and maggots and snakes and, and stuff into actors' mouths. You know what I mean? And we get yeah. uh, that immediately here. But I've never seen someone, um, uh, you know, do it as convincingly as actor Marshall because he mm. he arrives as a snake, explodes in a puff of smoke, and has a snake crawl out of his mouth, and he doesn't sweat it at all. Nope. Uh, because Masha is a badass, and uh, right. you know, there's no. It's maybe they forced it on him. You know, uh, I didn't ask for this, but you know, on screen, it does uh, come off as you know, it really sells the character. You know, he this is evil. Uh, you know, check. I know what my right. evil character is. Yeah, you'll know. Yeah, you'll know whether you can handle this movie within two minutes. Because in the first two minutes, he he vomits up a snake, and it and it just climbs right up in there in the lead actress uh, all up in her stuff which was like well okay here we, here we are and needless to say she was in some distress after that 
Yeah, it's similar know. to the devil in that regard. Uh, um, you did see the devil at some point. I yeah. did not. I actually listened right, to your right. podcast about it. So. Right. But, but it's a kind of similar thing there. It opens so strongly with a major black magic sequence with this mm-hmm. witch, you know, digging in guts and throwing stuff out. You know, it's absolutely disgusting. So if you compare that, then, then, then you know, you're that kind of viewer. So, uh, uh, But I just love that. They, they Masha is, uh, you know, they don't tease that he might be evil, he might be not. He's just pure evil. He loves to be evil. It's a snake, yeah. you know, he's, gle- he's gleeful about it. And yeah. I kind of love cinema that, because I'm not the most attentive viewer sometimes, so <laughs> sometimes I just like c- cinema to be simple, you know, good yeah. and evil, and they mean it in every sense of the word. Right, you know. right. Yeah, I can be like that too. Movies can just be like. Blah 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 blah. Someone throws up a snake. Hey, all right. And then I'm paying attention and not going oh, yeah. back to blah blah blah. Um, and, so. and all of this is pre-credits. You know, she goes on a nightly right. snake rampage pre-credits. So it's a really involved. Like, you know, we, we're going to showcase a lot of stuff here. You know, and make audiences stay or leave possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if anything, I, I gotta give it to Shang and. Uh, the filmmakers it's uh, it's not a bad structure to like um, they, they don't give us all obviously the witch with flying head is manifested a little bit into the movie but right. here's like this is the movie it may be a period movie but audiences we're not gonna like um, keep you in the dark or anything so here it is right <laughs> you know. yeah well one thing about the the nature of the of the Krasu is that it's so sort of it's it's just it's nature just the idea of it is so disturbing that you don't really need to go that far. To re- I mean, you don't need state-of-the-art CGI special effects to represent it and have it still be kind of creepy. I mean, in, in these movies, usually it's just a, a prosthetic head on a on a pulley mm-hmm. that's uh, you know that's flying overhead. But it it gets the idea across. I mean, I just just the idea of a, a severed head with all the guts hanging off it and and being. Uh, sentient and hungry <laughs> is uh, is creepy enough for me. You don't need to like go the extra mile. It's a shame so. this uh, version is uh, so dark, though, because uh, yes. you don't see a lot of the special effects. I know the unsubtitled print that was previously available is much brighter, so uh, so, so you can get um, a different um, uh, a different view of uh, the rubber and prosthetic, if you will. But uh, you're right. It's uh, what I like about a filmmaker like Chang. Clearly, this is um, something he. I, I I kind of assume it's a he, but part of me is mm. it. Isn't. <laughs> okay. uh, clearly, kind of it, it's digging this because I I think you would have noticed if a filmmaker was just going through the motions. But uh, clearly, the devil showcases um, a lot of the opposite. Like, uh, I mean, to the gross stuff, man. And uh, I can do it two movies in a row, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not as gross as the devil. Uh, I should state this movie, um, but uh, it's it's. Uh, oh, really? The devil, you'd say, is less gross than. Uh, oh, oh, it's way more. Well, it's way more gross than the devil oh, because okay. you got you got several scenes of um, actors uh, because when they're. Uh, being um, handed the curse, if you will, they yes. start, you know, vomiting up snakes and maggots, and uh, for minutes at a time, you get them, you know, yeah. on, on on the floor, and uh, it's uh, really quite sadistic in that regard. And that's not special effects; that's just uh, the actors no, and the animals, <laughs> uh, which is great. What, what do you call the gastronomical effects? People just <laughs> shoving insects into their mouths. 
sometimes you wonder what the behind the scenes like talks were like you know if they had to pre-approve this or if they like on the day right we made a change in the script you're eating maggots now <laughs> thanks <laughs> right yesterday i'm crossing out ice cream and writing in maggots i hope that's okay with you it's already got your signature on it mm. So you can only theorize because uh, Taiwanese cinema is not uh, well documented in that regard. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the, the, this first thirty forty minutes, if you will, quite awesome. What one thing that doesn't work as well, but is cool because they place it in a horror scenario, is the high cranked kind of trademark Asian cinema melodra- melodrama. Mm, yeah. Boy, is there a lot of crying in this movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and it's because obviously the family. Uh, situation you know she's been unfairly so to say being given this predicament you know and she is afraid that she will hurt her family fine but that excessive crying isn't um something that i get affected by it's um it's, yeah uh, it's kind of a f- lazy fallback but uh, i love it when it's placed not in a taiwanese romance melodrama but in a taiwanese horror movie in this case yeah. Like, yeah, that seems to be a feature of these these particular movies with these kind of uh, with this particular monster too, because it tends to be something that's you know, and some of the it's something that's afflicted upon the heroine. It's not something that happens because she of her her bad behavior or that she's evil. It's in fact this woman is a is a is a very innocent woman, and it's inflicted on her just by you know by an act of evil by this guy so it's always treated with much tragedy and mm-hmm. much much rending of garments and tearing of the hair which there definitely is a lot in this movie and I agree that really slowed it down for me uh, but but we are given again as I said the sight of the of the which we fly in head if you will early in the movie and uh, I, you know the, the print is dark as we said but you, you can still see that Dave spend some time thinking of how are we going to depict this and uh, mm-hmm. for my money's worth I think they did a pretty good job actually yeah yeah there's even a scene where you can see the heart beating which was pretty gross and graphic I think mm-hmm. it was when the thing's lying on the ground someone struck it down and you can see it looking at him and his heart is beating yeah it's one of the more famous shots that is way brighter in the unsubtitled version so uh, <laughs> that might be it it was the easiest one to screen cap out of all yeah. the frames in the movie i mean it's really freaky obviously uh, as you described like this creature if you will is uh, very very freaky and uh, and uh, it, it really does make you go you know what the fuck is this even today <laughs> in 2013 and uh, I, I i still get giddy uh watching certain movies i've um even movies that are let's say this had been the first movie and there were 20 movies after it akin to this I still mm. would have I, I, I still think these firsts uh, they still give me that giddy feeling even you know mm-hmm. g- going back to basic genres if you will like the early John Woo stuff his classic stuff as much as that has been featured in movies the stuff that's really good is still really really good you know it gets you yeah. still so uh, and they're uh, true for um, uh, well, not true in this case because there weren't a lot of in Taiwanese cinema. But it's 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 a really cool effects uh, showcase. Uh, you know, so they did no wires. Obviously, had had been uh, fl- uh, you know action performers had been flung around on wires for for ages. So uh, a prosthetic and uh, a puppet on a wire should be you know easy a cakewalk mm-hmm. for them. <laughs> so. 
so, so, so all of this takes place in 30-40 minutes. It almost seems like the movie is speed running, like uh, because they bring in like uh, priests to try right. and uh, uh, you know attempt uh, countermeasures that kind of fails. So it seems like is this movie for 30-40 minutes long? Well, well, fine. And then it um, here's my only like main criticism that. The additional story it introduces was I wasn't too clear on it first that there was an additional witch and uh, yeah and, but then because they leave for the mountains you know Yuchun and the handmaid her handmaiden so I don't know what did you think um, did 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 uh, did it decrease in quality if you will the interest and clarity or it did seem like it the 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 story they it, it, it was it made it a very oddly structured film that they introduced this. Not a completely different story, but it was. It, it seemed very digressive, and it, and I had a little hard time figuring out what was going on too. I'm glad to know I wasn't the only one. But yeah, these two. There are two witches who are accosting travelers on the road, like young handsome men, and and branding them with a snake mm-hmm. insignia on their head, and then killing them, and then one of them escapes and hides with the heroine and her her entourage in their little mountain cabin that they're hiding in and then they start a romance but then it all sort of it all sort of comes back together again at the end because then the I thought that the, the they that they got rid of the witch but then the witches come back again when the evil sorcerer shows up at the end for the big mm-hmm. final final showdown no none of that seemed necessary it seemed like uh maybe padding because otherwise it probably would have been a 40 minute movie just like you were saying um it wasn't boring no uh there was a, and there's a nice uh fight with uh the heroine and the main witch when she has this magical uh sort of container that she uses to suck the witch into it, and there's lots of, again, my favorite thing, lots of people shooting cartoon rays out of their hands yeah. and, and mouths and stuff like that. So it was not boring, but it was a little like, huh, what? You know, it was a little digressive. I, I had to use your review to make sense of it, like because you, <laughs> you, you wrote a more extensive plot than I did. Like, ah, I got, got you. Todd saved me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's accurate, so I hope it... It, it, I did it my made best. sense. Okay, yeah. yeah, I just, yeah. It's kind of like you wake up from a dream and you just fill in the gaps where there mm. wasn't anything making it coherent, so... But, uh, so, some highlights here. I mean, again, I gotta commend Chang for being a filmmaker clearly determined to nail this concept, and uh, there, there, there's some great other than you know the stuff on wires and stuff there's a great little old school effect uh, that's done in camera because at one point the other witch is uh, massaging this guy's uh, throat you know one of the travelers and the camera mm-hmm. zooms in and uh, only shows him and then it zooms out and there's a snake in there instead oh, you know she, uh-huh. she's, tur- she's turned and obviously it's in camera it's crew off camera doing it and I think that stuff is marvelous. Actually, it, it, me too. It, 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 you know, the point com, comes across. You know, and even though it's, a, it's as a cropped, this is a cropped version. Obviously, the full widescreen version wouldn't show, you know, crew <laughs> switching out the actors or anything. I think right. the full, the, the full shot would, um, if we ever get a chance to see it in widescreen, uh, would probably still still look pretty seamless in that regard. It's not very like 
oh they zoom in on something random you know because you 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 don't know that that is coming uh, mm -hmm. that transformation so i thought that was very smart you know old school effects in camera you know why not you know it's uh it's not a too cheesy thing or maybe us old fogies if you will <laughs> are the only ones appreciating it but you know fuck that it was still yeah. good so yeah i appreciate that i really like the part no this is in keeping with what i've said before but i like the part where the where the flying head was having its battle with the first priest that come the abbot who comes along who has the swastika on his chest that he shoots rays out of his swastika and yes. then all of a sudden the flying head up and opens her mouth and breathes fire at him mm. which i thought was awesome and i've never seen that in one of those movies before and she actually totally fries one of his disciples too so mm -hmm. i like yeah i like the uh fire breathing witch with flying head scene that was a nice surprise when that happened and so taiwanese too it was i was like oh yeah this is a taiwanese movie i almost forgot and then, therefore you because you have seen this type of energy uh many times before there clearly are many filmmakers with um the ability to actually uh, transfer that uh, energy to yes. the screen, you know, they might not make a perfect movie in a story sense, although this is perfectly fine. But uh, uh, there, there's so many, um, you know, dedicated special effects, and, uh, you know, technicians and directors working with them, clearly present in Taiwanese cinema, who are working yeah. with minute budgets, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Uh, including this one, I mean, the costume movie. The, uh, even if you made a costume movie it didn't mean a high budget movie costumes were always you know around probably in uh, right. you know on via tv productions and what have you so you could always uh, make a convincing like um, setting in that regard uh, so so it's all good i mean it, 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 i don't have a lot of more notes other than that lull that i talked about is entirely forgivable because again yeah. it drops from awesome to more than tolerable Masha returns and um, you get uh, an energy bolt ending that is uh, pretty uh, pretty awesome and there, there's no disappointment at all and I'm very glad that Witch with Flying Head lived up to um, you know my thoughts on it I was hoping for uh, you know an on-screen manifestation of this uh, uh, you know low budget or not and I think Chang Renje pretty much nailed this I, I don't it sure it can be better with could it be better with uh, you know a 10 times higher budget um, I suppose but uh, I don't know I'm very content I'm not sure where it could have gone otherwise with this yeah I, I agree with that basically I, I, I would recommend the movie um, it does a lot more energy than it needs to have it doesn't feel like it's being phoned in at all it's cheap but I mean, these films kind of work cheap, too, because there's a lot of imagination behind them. But uh, I would recommend this uh, and if to, to anybody who's never seen a Krasu movie, and if they like that, they should check out some of the others. Definitely check out Ghost with Guts Eater, because there's a scene where two of the... There's two crossies and they have sort of an aerial dogfight and one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm one, sold. And one bites the other on the uh, intestine. Uh, wow. And that's and that also is very finely realized. I th I think that might even I'm not sure if that's on YouTube. I know someone got that for me. I think off a of torrent or something like that. But yeah, mm -hmm. you can't go wrong with a with a Krasu or a Liak or whatever else they call it. They call it something else in the Philippines. Every pretty much every Southeast Asian country has a version of this critter. 
and here it's flying evil in all simplicity at least in the english uh, subtitles yes so, yeah uh, which works for dumb fools like me you know? but it's <laughs> flying evil got, yeah that is pretty descriptive uh, but uh, we uh, touched upon availability about Go Through It again. It's been uh, officially available, one, it was officially available on VHS through Taiseng. This was a full screen print without any subtitles, but uh, during the last year or two, a partially widescreen um, edition, uh, it's it stretched to full screen, but I think it's partially widescreen. You can see the faces are quite uh, tall in this one, but mm. uh, 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 that version has been made available and it's a sub title version from Taiwanese VHS I believe it's turned up on internet uh, torrent forums so thankfully mm -hmm. collectors have well hopefully collectors have let it go themselves uh, you know rather than it uh, being stolen from them but uh, regardless I'm glad that it's out there that's the version we had at our disposal mm -hmm. uh, disposal uh, as I said, it's quite a dark print, and uh, the video tracking actually obscures the subtitles at points. I think the, like the la last five minutes, uh, the video tracking just uh, blurs out the subtitles altogether. But yeah. uh, it's it's uh, you know it, it's the end, it's the finale, and uh, you know it's not um, we, we're not missing any poetry uh, yeah. right, uh, right there. So uh, I would love for this to get a obviously an official DVD release. Uh, maybe there's a print at the Taipei Film Archive. Maybe there isn't, but. Uh, you know, there's no sign of a DVD release at this point for and this quite obscure movie anyway. It's uh, possibly this is its uh, fate. You know, we got one mm -hmm. version with subtitles, one not, and uh, you can get it if uh, you know your way around around uh, internet uh, torrent uh, yeah. forums. Uh, so, um, uh, but uh, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe someone wants to raise its uh, profile and not, uh, and that person might not worry about. Uh, this uh, movie, uh, this release being a hugely profitable one because it's still right. specialized cinema. You know, Criterion are not going to go after it. But, you know, the likes of Mondo Macabro or Macabre, if right. they're yeah, still around. Right, yeah, it seems like it would be a perfect Mondo Macabro release, yeah. I think they did, didn't, didn't they do Mystics in Bali? They in, did in the indeed, yeah. So they you can get one excellent. of these movies officially at least. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend Mystics in Bali. Uh, Alright, we are taking a short break and then we're moving into snake, more snake territory. This will, this time more pronounced. Holy hell, is it more pronounced? <laughs> uh, Calamity of Snakes is coming up uh, after the break, our review and discussion of it. So sit tight and we'll be right back. Welcome back, and we are going to discuss in the second half Calamity of Snakes from 1983 and plot from my review of the film building developer Mr. Chang, played by Kao Yun, is hellbent on building his dream project uh, fast and cheap, this big house. Uh, even a snake pit on the ground so won't stop the development as he himself and workers hack the snakes to pieces. Some dead workers later? It's becoming increasingly clear the snakes are after revenge, uh, headed by a giant boa. 
and despite a snake master defeating that boa and on opening night of mr chang's new building the snakes and another giant one launches an attack pretty good stuff heinous stuff but pretty good stuff <laughs> nonetheless but okay before we talk the movie let's talk director william chang uh, I got help again from my friend Sylvia Roram uh, translating some uh, Chinese biographies on the man and uh, the deeper we got into it it seemed unlikely that we were dealing with the same man it seemed like we were dealing with someone entirely different that was called William Chang and, and the same Chinese name and what have you but uh, it actually is the same William Chang that had this kind of film career that I'm going to talk about and this kind of creative career outside of film that I'm going to tell you about so he logged nine movies as director, mostly Kung Fu, uh, Bruce exploitation movies like Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu in 1976 and the 1981 Kung Fu comedy The Eagle's Killer, starring uh, John Chung. And amidst this career, snake exploitation reared his head, as uh, we're talking about uh, tonight and all of that. Uh, he was also a cinematographer in the 70s on action and Kung Fu movies, including uh, many of his own, but not Calamity of Snakes. Uh, and... Um, Maybe he didn't want to be that close to the stakes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's been occasional writer and producer, including for 1986's new Mr. Vampire, one of those Mr. Vampire copies uh, that came out early, but didn't feature Lam Chinging. Uh, but uh, in 1986 he left for Canada on a film school scholarship, uh, but instead of widening his movie career, he fell into writing. <clears throat> Uh, he had dabbled before in photography as well. He was a member of, uh, became a member of the Chinese Photographers Association in the early 80s and uh, published books uh, with his uh, photographs and had them exhibited uh, during, uh, during this time. So he, he, he was balancing that with his genre movie career, but eventually began write, writing novels, uh, best-selling novels, acclaimed novels. Uh, uh, one of his bestsellers was turned into a 1995 Canadian production called Chinese Chocolate, which co-starred, uh, out of all things, uh, Category 3 uh, starlet uh, Diana Pang. She was in a few of these movies. She didn't go nude in the Category 3 movies, but uh, she was well endowed. But she starred in Chinese Chocolate, and it won the uh, CICAE Award at the 1995 Berlin International Film Festival which I think is um, possibly the audience award for uh, So that's what Chinese chocolate based on William Chang's novel got. And uh, more currently, William is writing or has finished a seven novel series in the sci-fi fairy tale category. Uh, it's aimed at, uh, it's aimed at the children. And uh, it almost seems like he's a continually awarded and praised author. And uh, this part of his career is the big thing connected to William. His exploitation part of his career not so much anymore <laughs> uh, it's really fascinating I, I just love that kind of development uh, that the uh, movies were um, he, he was done with movies in 1986 fell into something that was way more fun as a creator and uh, clearly it paid off and uh, William Chang is listed as director on uh, the Ronnie Yu movie China Heat but um, uh, it's uh, it's a co-directed effort, if any, uh, you know, at best. But I don't know if they walked side by side throughout the entire production or not. But uh, that, that was a 1992 credit. But that's, uh, I believe, it's the last uh, movie credit. And uh, after that, it's uh, busy, busy bee, uh, busy bee in terms of uh, writing. So and there you go. It's uh, that's um, that's kind of mind blowing. But. Uh, uh, 
before we start the uh, start the discussion of the movie, I gotta bring in uh, the fact that there's a different version of this movie available, an American film. It's called The Serpent Warriors, and it carries the 1986 uh, copyright, uh, but uh, and Calamity of Snakes is a 1983 movie. Uh, but footage in it seems to lean towards the fact that Serpent Warriors was either shot simultaneously as snakes or lent actors from that production because uh, Kao Yun, the main character, Mr. Shang. Uh, is in Serpent Warriors in footage exclusive to it. So either they got them back a little bit later to shoot it or um, or shot it simultaneously and created this cut and paste product. Uh, it uh, utilizes very little footage actually of the original Taiwanese production aside from its intense uh, climax. It's really what you should showcase I suppose. Um, and instead of uh, the snakes getting revenge on this building developer, well, well they, they want to and they do, but they expand the story a little bit more. Uh, the movie opens on an island in the Pacific in 1946 where the building developer, as a kid, uh, 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 encounters a snake cult. He's called Jason King, by the way, in Serpent Warriors. And his, um, he witnesses his sister being sacrificed by a snake cult. And he gets a curse inflicted upon him, and then you cut to adulthood. And his wife has uh, premonitions of bad events in the future, which is this shared uh, plot strand from the original movie. Uh, but it's soon clear that the snake cult and their leader, the snake priestess, played by, get this, Eartha Kitt, is the snake priestess. And uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. I gotta see this. I, I was nonplussed, but now Eartha Kitt, yeah, I'm sorry. Indeed. So they're targeting Jason, you know, Mr. King, and uh, they, um, um, but Mrs. Uh, King, uh, she, um, and uh, I believe this is the actress from the Taiwanese original, travels to Los Angeles and uh, uh, employs help from this trio of Los Angeles uh, scientists, and they head out into the Mexican desert and confirms the existence of the cult. Uh, the movie, obviously, is... <laughs> very bad <laughs> but it's, it's rather kooky and whimsy and it's really incoherent because uh, the way they've edited together their footage with the Taiwanese footage is uh, very, very super tightly and uh, not very logically at points uh, uh, the animal cruelty that's in the original is uh, almost nowhere to be found in this version they, um, the initial uh, scene where they uh, cr uh, crush the snakes in the pit has superimposed uh, fire on top of it, suggesting that they burn the snakes instead. Uh, so you, you can see something, but not really. It's, oh, it's just a bunch of fire in front of that scene. Um, and the bulk of the film has that desert as its uh, main uh, main setting, and a lot of boring action scenes follow. Uh, but it's it's fun to watch just because um, you know it's it, its existence is fun uh, in its own. Uh, and as an aside, the, the version here is probably the closest we're ever going to get to an original language subtitled version of Calamity of Snakes because almost all scenes from the original are unchanged in that regard. So we got uh, a mix of Mandarin and with English subtitles and obviously mm. um, English uh, English language uh, dialogue when uh, uh, thanks to the shoot that the Western production did. Uh, so that's a little... Side note in the history of uh, Calam Calamity of Snakes, uh, Serpent Warriors. <laughs> uh, so um, um, if you can't find that, I actually have, uh, I bought um, 
uh, I bought and sent the Greek VHS to a friend to transfer to a DVD. So I actually I don't have the actual VHS, but I I have bought it and own the movie actually. Uh, so uh, if you don't find it, uh, Todd, then I'll definitely set you up with the Serpent Warriors. But don't expect right. great, great art or anything. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Judging from calamity of snakes, since that's what we're starting from, my my expectations are pretty low. <laughs> <I would say. laughs> All right. Yeah. And let's move into the review and discussion. So, first, uh, a brief opinion on the movie, Todd. Uh, like or dislike? Even if it's, um, the, the, I know there's a lot of things to dislike, but as a movie, what did you think of the whole? Uh, well, you know, I guess it's 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 hard, impossible to discuss this movie without discussing the animal cruelty in it, and unfortunately, that is well, fortunately or not, uh, that that's kind of a hard line for me. I really have a hard time with that. I maybe shouldn't out myself as having such a delicate sensibility so early on <laughs> in you're, my you're, you're relationship actual, with this podcast. You're an actual I'm human, an actual, for heaven's sake. That's a good thing to yeah. be a hu- human amidst all this madness. So good on you. Yeah. Um, there. I mean, given that there were some things I, I liked about the movie, but it's just it makes it very hard to get past that because this is basically a... Uh, well, I mean, a good example is is the scene. You know, the in, sort of the whole film pivots on this initial scene where they uh, find the snake pit and they slaughter all of these snakes, and uh, and the it's the unscrupulous uh, developer who wants to who kill all the snakes. And both uh, two different characters, the architect who's the conscientious architect. I mean, this is really a disaster movie. It has all those disaster movie kind of stock characters. Mm-hmm. He comes forward and and tells him not to kill the snakes because it would be very cruel, quote-unquote. And then the guy's own wife comes forward and so- tells him not to do it. And, he, and he's dead set on doing it. So he says, you know, kill them all. And for me, this was sort of the point at which the movie says, you know, fuck you, animal sympathizers, we're yep. doing this. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then what follows that scene, it's really pure uh, porn, really. It's, it's, it's minute after minute of very graphic, real uh, slaughter of these snakes uh, mm-hmm. with... with uh, Machetes and pickaxes and stuff. Pickaxes and then a backhoe is slammed into the pit over and over again. You see the snakes being crushed. Um, You know, it's it's not pleasant to look at. Uh, It's you know, on principle, I'm against it. And I also just think, um, you know, I like movies, but no, I've never seen a movie that was worth any living thing losing its life for. Mm. And uh, I also feel that, you know, sure, poisonous snakes can kill you in the wild, but a snake up against a backhoe is... It's never never fair at any point, obviously. Right, exactly. It's just not, I mean, the fact to to watch snakes being smashed with backhoes, snakes in a pit being smashed with backhoes as entertainment, I just think we're... We're bigger than that as a species, 
you know so it, you know it bums me out <laughs> to put it simply uh it, but it um was... we we uh, I'll, I'll stop you right there and we get into um more uh, in-depth discussion and all of that because there, there are yeah. fictional parts of this movie and uh so I, I i'm not disagreeing with you at all about mm. the animal cruelty I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that right now uh my brief opinion first here yeah. as we have another favorite movie of mine I, I can admit that I'm a man enough I, I actually really like Cannibal Holocaust it's one of my favorite movies it is still hugely problematic just like that movie is because of the extensive animal cruelty in the case of Cannibal Holocaust their commentary kind of caves in on them uh, the commentary they attempted so mm-hmm. it's a problematic movie uh, but nevertheless Calamity of Snakes eventually delivers the fictional snake terror in this intense way that I've never seen before it makes it rather unique uh, when they decide to go um, not make it Mondo, if you will, uh, and right. to make it uh, fictional, <laughs> true fictional. Right. And and it's kind of a shame because I, I'll admit, and this may make my ethics seem kind of pathetically fluid, but I enjoyed once they int- well once they introduced that big ass boa, which was basically just a puppet. Uh, that stuff I enjoyed once it was more special effects and fakery um, I enjoyed the scenes of the giant boa puppet flying across the room at people and there was even some, it looked like there was some stop motion used for some of the snakes in those later scenes Exactly. And I mean, I you had actual filmmakers here, not just people um, you know, pointed the camera for 90 minutes at uh, at uh, at, uh, at snake violence, you know. At so, snakes uh, being hacked in half, yeah, mm-hmm. which it, it gives, you know, it really, when they, yeah, when they devote so much energy to that, it makes it feel like the whole point of the film, is the, the snake slaughter is sort of the whole reason for being of the film, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once they move away from that, I found things in it to be entertained by. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I have, there are other films with animal cruelty that I've made it through, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't find anything in the rest of the film that excuses it, mm-hmm. but I can still sort of objectively look at the rest of the film and say, okay, well, that was well done, or that was entertaining. And also, it's the, the whole disaster movie structure of it is very seductive, because just like a disa- any disaster movie, you're you're in. You're introduced to a bunch of heels at the beginning of the movie, like you have the unscrupulous developer, and you have his sniveling little toady uh, assistant, who's yeah. Nagai Ping. Oh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that uh, actor's Wei, name. Uh, Wei Ping O. Oh, uh, you've actually yes. seen him probably in Fist of Fury. He plays that slimy tra- uh, translator yes. for the Japanese. That's uh, Wei Ping O. Oh. Yeah, he always plays that that kind of role. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. That kind of dubbing it always gets like, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the guy. So yeah, so you have these people that you can't basically can't wait to see killed, and because of the type of movie it is, you know from the very beginning of the movie, okay, these are the guys that are going to get the hard karmic payback from the snakes at the end, <laughs> and which makes the end very gratifying because they they do, and in fact, the end even seems like the snakes become the heroes of the... I mean, did you get this, Ken, that the snakes are sort of the heroes of the movie by the end? I suppose so. I mean, uh, that... Uh, obviously, a lot of the innocents uh, get it, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is it is comic payback, and unfortunately, some some get in the way in that regard, I suppose, uh, as well. Yeah. 
but you know what? Uh, let me uh, let me share my. I've done so over a few shows here and there, but uh, let me just share a little paragraph about my take on animal cruelty. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to be d- disliked uh, as a human uh, about this, but uh, no matter, I'm lost Ooh. since uh, forever. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the animal cruelty issue in so many Hong Kong movies and Taiwanese movies and cannibal movies out of Italy, it's always it. It always interests me to kind of discuss it as a critic, uh, amateur critic, and with uh, other critics and bodies, uh, speci- bodies like where you can have a calm discussion about it, even though it does get you fired up. You know, even mm-hmm. if you dislike something and don't accept something, you don't need to be shouty about it. That's my uh, right. uh, th- that's my first take on it. But in short, obviously, animal cruelty is inexcusable. Prob pretty much ninety nine point ninety nine percent of the time, you know, probably one hundred if we're gonna be okay. Let, let, let's just say one hundred. Normally, it's just there to get a rise out of the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's shock tactics, and you know, some work it into the plot and try to make it part of the commentary. You know, again, Cannibal Holocaust. You know, the the point is that the do- the fictional documentary crew are just trying to get shots you know shock they're employing shock tactics mm-hmm. but they're doing it for real in the cannibal holocaust so it kind of caves in on them uh, at the same time it's um it's very fascinating uh, the way they uh, attempted it and it kind of uh, came back to haunt them if you will uh we watched another movie for hong kong horror month on the network called red spell spells red which tried to work it into their plot as well but really it just comes off as you know inserted mondo style footage in that one as well so uh, uh but my point is i can also personally sit through a lot of this i don't uh, personally disown a movie uh before knowing that they have s- these scenes i try to make an overall grade of the movie L- like you were talking about you you know you're stuck with it therefore you're the type of viewer that tries to make your mind up uh if you can stand it of course uh, you make your mind up once the movie is over you know what I mean uh, so I, I, I'm not that kind of viewer either that just rushes out and go on a tangent on the internet about how dissatisfied I am and uh, mm. all of that you know so um, and I have uh, I have full understanding for those that do however because I, I'm not going to ask anyone to sit through this movie and make up their mind afterwards mm. you know because it's pretty hard to take it's uh, it's not mild this we're discussing you know it lives up to it's billing if you will as well that uh, it, it's yeah. such it's such an assault on, on the senses that isn't uh, warranted at all and uh, you know stuff like the moon goose scene is that what you call that ferocious yeah. little critter yeah yeah that's a... just like uh, that, that's like, like a mini mondo movie in there that's completely yeah. pointless you know right and I wonder, you know, seeing as these, these filmmakers showcase some cleverness in terms of special effects and depiction of, you know, the fictional violence, but using snakes with humans in the same scene, you know, I wonder if it would, it probably would have had a great deal of intensity if uh, they had of, you know, faked scenes all throughout, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't think it did, at all this was... Um, needed for the intensity of the ending to work you know they, um, no. they had it in them some you know william and crew had it in them you know uh, and uh again i wonder if there was a huge internal battle in the production whether we should do this or if we should not do this if it was the producer saying no 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 you know animal cruelty sells you know the producer mm-hmm. with the big, his big cigar you know Argh. right uh so i wonder you know there was wild imagination in this era of taiwanese cinema but um 
you know, they choose not to, for whatever reason, to uh, to uh, stage 100% faked animal cruelty. And uh, right. unfortunately, well, unfortunate. I think it's a lot cheaper in some cases to oh, yeah. to kill the live snakes than I mean, I. I, I said to someone once, they were wondering if, if some animal cruelty in a Hong Kong movie was real or not. And I said, well, you, I think you just need to ask yourself if it, what would have cost more to make a prosthetic fake animal for them to kill or them to just kill the actual animal. Mm-hmm. And when you come to your, <laughs> you, when you get that answer, that's, that, that's your answer. You know, I think it's just, you know, to make a whole a whole pit full of fake snakes that that can be realistically seen to be killed and writhing around it, it was probably beyond the means or the ambitions of the makers when it would be so much easier just to kill the snakes who are obviously an animal nobody has a not many people have a big love affair with anyway no. but a, a good point because my next question is how do you deal with creepy crawlers on film uh, versus right. real life you know what kind of person are you in that regard for you oh am i creeped out by by yeah snakes? yeah yeah and spiders uh, and centipedes on film if you will or can you deal with it on film but not in real life or what kind of guy are you uh no i'm not squeamish about i mean i i, I guess i would draw the line and like i wouldn't want to handle a snake mm. but uh you know if i see a snake and I guess I wouldn't want to see one just crossing my path. But, you know, in terms of being able to look at a snake or see a snake on screen, it doesn't necessarily scare They don't necessarily scare me in movies on sight. It depends on how they're used. But, no, I'm not particularly squeamish about things like that, you know. I guess if you put one in my bed at night, I would probably have some problems with that. Yeah. I'm 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 okay with it too. And the centipede horror of a Hong Kong movie, it gets under your skin, but it's still okay. It's a, it's an effective mm-hmm. one. They don't stomp out the centipedes or anything. I think yeah. they they actually escape quite uh, quite uh, without harm in in that movie. Uh, yeah. But do, but documentaries on spiders. I've never actually I'm, seen that one. It's really it's a, you know it's it's not a classic, but it's really good. I like that era of Hong Kong horror. So uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so check out uh, Centipede Horror. Red spells spells red is from the same team actually, and it's uh, uh-huh. it's it uses scorpions more than uh, more than anything else. Oh, so okay. that movie. Yeah. Uh, but documentaries on spiders and other bugs and stuff. That's a different story for me. Uh, I remember <laughs> watching uh, the John Lydon hosted the Superbugs uh, documentary show. That uh, was more of a kid show, I believe, uh, and uh-huh. they, they, he did a show on spiders, and it was a perfectly good and educational show, just to show that they are not dangerous and they all of that. But I couldn't stand watching it because my skin was crawling, and I wanted to die. <laughs> I wanted to die. Well, you know? <laughs> was this around the time that Leiden did the ad for butter too? He was I, believe, like I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting episode in his career. But it looked I like a great little show out. for kids, you know. I believe it was Superbugs, and uh, really the purpose was to, you know, enlighten people. Uh, but spiders in close-up and in documentary form and crawling around, ah, yeah. kill me, kill me now! I wanted yeah. to slice my wrist watching that, but I just turned it off. Myself. Wow, yeah, spiders don't bother me that much either. For some reason, um, just on sight, like watching them on a documentary, like that, I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, seeing them. People step on them and stuff. It just seems like such a waste. 
Right on. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's draw a line to which we're flying head in a way here, because uh, William Shang also, you know, ferociously kind of establishes, as you said, the evil characters, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and you know you you, you got to be uh, kind of confident as a viewer that you know what's going on when Mister Chang says a line like, "I'm only at peace when my wallet is full." Yeah, you know, all right. right. <laughs> There's the nuance, and the, right. what a comfort, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it might yeah, be good. Every... <laughs> Everything in this movie is so projected. My favorite part, it's like it, you can tell half hour ahead what's going to happen. My favorite part is after they have the exterminators that come in, uh, and they and they caulk up the holes in the ground with like the cement, tobacco, and something else, and sulfur, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything's supposed to be okay. And, and someone actually says, "We don't have to worry anymore," which is like. <laughs> Happy joy, joy. That's the last we'll see of those darn snakes, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, the guarantee that, uh, you know, all the more guarantees that you're going to see a complete slaughter. And then, of course, they have the big banquet at the end to celebrate the opening of the fabulously uh, shoddy uh, apartment building that they yeah. built. <laughs> and so you know that's where it's all going to go down. And you are, and in that way, the movie really delivers. It's you're not disappointed by that climax. And uh, yeah, what else? I mean, uh, again, I'm not going to go over that sequence uh, uh, that yeah. you talked about the initial ones. But I, some bits and pieces, you know, if if William had not decided to, um, uh, you know, crush the real snakes and just feature like a shot of the snake pit and then faked mm-hmm. violence after that, that would have been so effective because the snakes in that pit, the amount of them, that's absolutely terrifying. Yes, you know, you, you know, I, I think I would have had a heart attack on the spot if I saw that. Like, oh! yes. you know, <laughs> yes, yes. And there's one, and there's one shot in the movie too that's kind of like The Shining, sort of the snake version of The Shining, where these yes. people open a, a, a gatefold door and a massive wall, solid wall of snakes just falls on top of them. Imagine setting that up, man. Yeah, yeah, I did wonder what the logistics of that were. That was, yeah, that was a wow moment for me. That was actually pretty scary. Um, So, yeah. yeah. uh, But, uh, okay, on on desperate inclusions of comedy here, I mean, uh, which with Flying (laughs) Head didn't do it, thankfully. And yeah. uh, Hong Kong cinema did it a lot, Taiwanese cinema did it a lot, and Wei Ping O, as, as much of a act, you know, he's part of the classic canon of Hong Kong cinema, obviously mm-hmm. being in Fist of Fury, but he's absolutely fucking ridiculous in this movie, you know. They, yeah. I mean, during that whole terrible snake slaughtering sequence, William Chang has the balls to have him, you know, step in to try and crush the snake with a stone, and then he misses the snake and his foot is in the way instead, you know. Right, he's Bill. a living, living cartoon character, and it yeah. doesn't work. It's so absolutely out of place, and not so exaggerated that it becomes kind of genius. He's just right. absolutely annoying. Yeah, I agree. I, and you're right. I forgot to to laud uh, Witch with Flying Head for not having. There wasn't really a goofy comic relief character. Uh, that I remember, and I've gotten so used to seeing those, so that was good, but yeah, well, you know, it's, needless to say, uh, 
Calamity of Snakes is a real class act as far as the level of comedy beyond him. There's also the scene of the comic fat lady at the banquet, and there's a shot of her shoving hors d'oeuvres into her face in fast motion, which is intercut with shots of a pig at a trough. Dear Lord. That was so... That if you because need any she's, more uh, she's fat and shit. Get, yeah, ah, get ah, it ah, right. Ah. Just like a pig. Maybe they won't get that. Maybe the fast motion, her shoving the food into her face in fast motion won't get it across. We'll have to put footage of an actual pig. Uh, but yeah, if you need any more indication of the, the level of class that this movie shows, uh, I don't know what to tell you because that's, that's he, what we're dealing with here. Yes. He even he even is a cartoon character to the point where when he uh, when they're at the Snake Master and he walks into the main room as opposed with all the snakes on tables, uh, Waping Owl's hair stands up, you know. So he, there's a cartoon reaction in that way as well, which I'm sure it's not common to see that necessarily, but it doesn't fit to have that you know slimy character. Well, well, to have a slimy character like that fits, but not in a comedic sense. The the way the places they go with him is absolutely right. unnecessary uh, and, and unfortunately the English dubbing is so high pitched obviously and, and grating at uh, at certain points here you know yeah uh, definitely uh, so uh, but, but you know uh, you I, I I can stand the bad parts of the movie I um, unfortunately I'm way too used to it by this point it's I react <laughs> I, I react to it but I do I have seen this movie a couple, a couple of times and I enjoy the parts I do enjoy and uh, I, I enjoy the structure as you said the kind of and sometimes they come back, kind of classic horror, right. you know. Right. Uh, which is uh, a great outline to green light, uh, to green light, you know, uh, especially during this era. I I, I love these um, concept movies, animal uh, animal movies uh, with these high concepts from the seventies and eighties. That that's all good fun. I right. mean, I've not seen, for instance, the swarm or swarm since I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I still I would still enjoy that movie because killer bees, man, cool. Yeah, that, no, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> You know, it's a Michael Caine, killer bees. <laughs> right, I remember, and Michael Caine has a nightmare about a giant bee, and there's a, <laughs> that, that was, yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'd say about this film, this is a, it's a sleazy exploitation movie, and you're not, and if you understand that about it, you, I mean, it delivers on that fully. <laughs> yeah. So by the standards of a sleazy exploitation movie, it definitely delivers in spades. Uh, unfortunately, there is the animal cruelty aspect of it, which yeah. you know to me is a is a deal breaker. But I I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy parts of the movie. I enjoyed the the big boa and the and the climax was is, was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a movie. Um, it's a movie that lives and dies by its main attraction, obviously. So and yes. uh, and and kind of in the same. It, for one viewer, that might be the case, you know, that it lives and dies by its main attraction, you know, because it's unacceptable and acceptable at the same time, and uh, and and in that order, you know, you t- for some reason you get by, you 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 pass not comfortably uh, the unacceptable parts, and um, right. and uh, uh, I just wonder, you know, uh, there were tons of snakes in this movie. I mean, uh, yeah. For once, I think they needed to have you know actual animal wranglers on a set of an Asian movie because uh, normally they have a few of them in there. I'm sure they can handle right. them themselves, but this is epic. I mean, we're talking 
hundreds? M- many, yeah, thousands of snakes. Hundreds of snakes. Yeah, thousands might be hyperbole, but hundreds definitely. And yet, in that initial slaughter scene, they still kept showing the same. They they recycled footage, and they kept. You keep seeing the same three snakes getting slaughtered over and over again. Which is, I guess, that was the only usable footage they got out of all that. It looked like it was kind of a free for all, so I imagine it might have been hard to film. Yeah, I, I, and, and and that was clearly not done on the day when the actors were there. Clearly, it's a right. you know a, a separate crew or the crew coming coming in later. So I I don't think a lot of the actors knew the level of cruelty that was being shot. Uh, if I'm being yeah, totally you're honest. right. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. They very well but, may uh, not have. I I I don't know. I I, I don't have experience with snakes, uh, you know, uh, defanged or not, or depoisoned or not. But uh, I mean, it looks like it looks like a genuine human peril by by the time we get to the ending, you know, because there's so goddamn many of them, and yeah. they put they put every actor, young and old, with the snakes. There's uh, uh, a lady in oh, the wheel. That's wheelie- right. There's the, the scene lady of the, the little wheelchair. girl in bed. With yes, covered with snakes. And yeah. uh, the, the old lady, this uh, veteran actress called uh, Ouyang Shafei, I believe, mm. she she is a game old lady, possibly. I hope anyway, yeah. <laughs> because she has them crawling all over her, and it leads to. Yeah, I mean, at, the attack sequences are pretty well done. You know, it it does. Some of the attack sequences does only uh, consist of a lot of snakes being thrown at the actors, them you know yes. rolling around on the floor, and then aftermath makeup, but makeup. But that's a uh, pretty um, haunting, actually, especially yeah. the aftermath makeup, uh, where the actors have to lay yeah. completely still amidst 20, 30, 40 snakes, and that's yeah. just terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying. I also, it was striking to me that they used sort of a whip-cracking sound effect every time one of the snakes bit someone. Mm-hmm. It was a very odd, incongruous sound effect. You'd see the snake lunge, and then there'd be like a crack sound, sound effect, which was attention-getting, but really a really a strange choice but uh yeah and i also like the projectile snakes like snakes just leaping at people from across a room yes <laughs> you'll see that in the indian snake movies too i guess that uh, i guess i don't know enough about snakes either maybe this is something that really happens in the wild and i'm just an ignorant city boy mm. <laughs> yeah it's the it, it's basic uh, <laughs> it's a good basic filmmaking technique that actually works very well you know it yeah. uh, it uh, the effect comes through because we we know too much about filmmaking uh, yeah. uh, nowadays you know knowing so much behind the scenes stuff but it still gets to you and uh, and again you know uh, with uh, with the attack beginning with a kind of earthquake, uh, earthquake, uh, be- earthquake thing with the second boa coming out of, uh, oh, yeah. co- uh, coming through the parking garage and then all the snakes moving through the house. I think that's uh, it's a twenty plus finale that actually is uh, so unique and uh, no one's. It, it. I'm gonna do a comparison to to Jackie Chan here, so bear with me. Okay, Jackie, the things he did were so out there and so dangerous that barely anyone if anyone could copy him and mm. it's the same here with the 20-30 minutes of the end of this movie that I didn't see this copied uh, because yeah. you don't do this twice or three times because it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's such an ingenious and inhuman task to um, to pull this off man, because there, there's we're not kidding. I mean, there's hundreds of them there. They have to keep track of you. Have and filmmaking Piled is methodical. All over people. Yeah, and it's not like just point and shoot that shit and go home. You know, you have to be methodical about this stuff. You have to right. choreograph it to an extent. And 
and you're working with animals as well that are not predictable i'm sure so you know for good on them for being for being this good and you know and uh, and the fuck you to them for being that bad as well early in the right film, you know <laughs> right right yeah and there's all you have to add that also the set was on fire during this much of this last scene so not only are they dealing with people covered with dozens of snakes but also fire effects going on at the same time. It's, yeah, they did a good job. I, you know, I agree. Yeah. And, so and I it, agree and it, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, William Shang, good on you and fuck you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it all concludes, by the way, with a mad fire stunt. And, um, you know, a Hong Kong and Taiwanese stuntmen, they are not paid a whole lot, but they are, they do get into to some mad daredevil yeah. things because uh, we don't get a five second fire stunt and then we no no pussy ass shit like that you know they they stay on fire for half a minute if need be and, yeah. uh, and the movie concludes without spoiling exactly how it concludes the movie concludes with um, a ballsy fire stunt and um, uh, the actor is uh, not tied down but he is um, he is he, he can't move uh, very well and it's not supposed to he's supposed to be a bit tied down if you will right uh, so uh, there's something on. very much like a rope that's not a rope. I'll let mm-hmm. you guess what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so snake movie people. You know. Yeah. <laughs> draw, draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, would I recommend it? I if uh, you like what you hear and if you know what you're in for, you know, do try it out. If you have a fascination for uh, movies that go horribly wrong but maybe has some worth in them you know if you have an exploitation uh, sense and interest you know by all means see it because there's not many like it that uh, dared to do the fictional parts this extensively and this intensely because it is absolutely amazingly intense during the last 20 minutes and uh, and my favorite shot by the way i, I need to single it out is uh, the aftermath with I think it's a male character but if not it's an actor having been attacked in a bathtub and you see an aftermath shot of the actor playing dead and snakes on in the bath on the walls on the floor surrounding that uh, now a dead actor uh, dead character who just have to lie still and that shot is so eerie so as for availability it is fairly easy to see this movie uh, it was um, once upon a time issued by Ocean Shores in Hong Kong on Laserdisc uh, VCD and VHS I believe uh, this was not a subtitled version though it was a cropped version although you, you can follow the movie pretty easily my first viewing was of the unsubtitled version but uh, it was once also officially available on VHS by FMS Japan Home Video English dubbed and in full Two, three, five uh, by one uh, widescreen. So uh, it was from a Japanese cinema print, I believe, uh, dubbed in English. Uh, This version is circulating on torrents on US bootlegs uh, because I believe it's not licensed despite being on a 10 movie set by BCI Eclipse. Uh, They did a horror set. Uh, But there's also a bootleg by Apprehensive Films. so in general, I mean, if you if you can't find it on on torrents, uh, find a cheap bootleg of it uh, on that uh, ten movie set because you get the widescreen version. Um, despite the grating dubbing, it's the preferred watching uh, uh, viewing copy of mine. Uh, there was actually a Japanese DVD by a company called Maxam, but specs like cropped to full frame, Cantonese and Japanese subtitles only made that less of a good option. But it's on it's on DVD officially as well. I saw it on YouTube. 
Yes, indeed. It's uh, been spread spread everywhere, you know, uh, because yeah. uh, the Japanese VHS is obviously, um, if it turns up, it goes for quite uh, high amounts. So, uh, mm. uh, but I believe I actually did pay for mine when I won it like five, six, seven years ago and sent it to my friend for transfer. So I actually sort of own it or co-own it, if you will. <laughs> so I've, I've I'm done... hoping someday to buy into a share of a copy of Calamity <laughs> of Snakes. It's that's for my nest egg and my golden years. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to save mine and give them to my grandchildren. You know? That's right. <laughs> This is what I'm, I'll be giving you, you know. And don't be pussies about it. You know, watch it, watch right. it every night. Uh, Again, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, but all right. Uh, in terms of next episode, I've not. Uh, I don't have an announcement in terms of what we're gonna cover next. But I'm working on stuff like a commentary on fire slash Taiwan noir crossover. Uh, because we've been talking about doing a commentary for Fantasy Mission Force, uh, one of these uh, mad um, uh. Chu Jinping directed uh, Jackie Chan uh, oddities uh, that's out there, and uh, we've done Blast. some. It is very fun, and we we've done some Chu Jinping movies on the show, like Pink Force Commando and Golden Queens Commando and what have you. Uh, so it's an extension of that. But hopefully, you and me, Todd, can collaborate on collaborate on more Taiwan wars in the future. You know, uh, you like highlighting forgotten genre cinema, and uh, this seems like it's up your alley. So, um, it's yeah, I uh, hope so. Uh, we don't do it weekly; we do it uh, every few months. So, therefore, it's a relaxed uh, schedule. And and All even the better. and even if we do highlight movies that are not forgotten and available, maybe we'll uh, just add to the film's cult status and rep, and that's. That's worth it, you know, to uh, to add upon uh, greatness, if you would, and give our take on greatness. So, I agree. Uh, I'd love to do it again. Ah, uh, you're absolutely welcome. But uh, we're not going to cover any uh, Taiwanese art films or art directors, you know, the one the stuff that's so widely available that doesn't personally interest me, you know. Right. Uh, you know, the Edward Yang stuff or the Hu Shen uh, stuff or Ang Lee. You know, I don't dislike them. They don't appeal to me. I don't know, Fantasy Mission Force is sort of an art film as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely, it's uh, the best art it, it film It makes me ever. see the world in a different way every time I see it. Through the uh, Chu Yenping prism of... Uh, yes. Of, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, I feel stoned when watching uh, some of uh, Chu Yenping's movies. I said it on mm. the show, watching Pink Force Commando, because I have no idea what goes on there, but I feel it feels so pleasurable. And it feels like I'm stoned watching it. Like, hey, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> yeah. Colors. Pink. <laughs> gra graffiti. Ku Klux Klan. A Wild West movie. What's right. going right. Why is Hitler driving a 1970s funny car? <laughs> and uh, for some reason, we got a podcast out of it. It was wonderful. So I like mm. that movie. Uh, anyway, uh, we are signing off uh, after dealing with um, our witches with flying head and the snake exploitation after uh, for an episode. But it was all good. And uh, thank you again, Todd, for coming on. It was a, a pleasure, and I uh, highly enjoyed it. And uh, and um, I find a like I found another like-minded individual out there. So thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, we'll run through the contact information really quick again, and you can give out your your relevant URLs and contact information. So this has been Taiwan Noir on the Podcast on Fire Network website, podcastonfire.com. 
get all the other shows the shows and the bonus episodes on there email podcast on fire at googlemail.com facebook facebook.com forward slash pof network and join the discussion group uh, type in podcast on fire network in the facebook search box that's the best way to get it and follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire and follow my writing of so good reviews on sogoodreviews.com i've reviewed which with flying head and calamity of snakes uh, which is not uh, a published review yet because I uh, wrote it uh, this week uh, but it'll be up there and I do ninja exploitation and various category free movies on there as well and uh, follow my video video reviews at sleazykvideo.com and my tweets twitter.com forward slash so good reviews a whole bunch of other nonsense on there I like to tweet about mu- music a lot as well and uh, matters of the heart and mind and other nonsense I can come up with so it's not all Taiwanese uh, Taiwanese snake madness on my Twitter account <laughs> <laughs> and uh, follow us on you can subscribe to us rather on iTunes and if you like uh, Taiwan War please leave a little star rating and a written comment uh, a sentence will do you know a dislike or a like if you will and uh, we would uh, gain some gain a little bit in the rankings if you will uh, you know maybe we have ranked 5,000th on uh, iTunes but maybe we can get to 5,995 with your help you know uh, fingers crossed uh, but uh, you can also stream us on Stitcher that app is available to your iPhone iPad Android or Blackberry and type in Taiwan Noir uh, in the search box there and that will uh, get you the option to add us to your favorites and finally in the show post uh, you have a link to Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles Jesus uh, Taiwanese black movies um, search goes on and he's done some amazing work there identifying Taiwanese movies uh, that are were used in uh, various ninja cut and paste uh, movies so that's very important work and finally Todd your uh, blog name and URL and all of that good stuff uh, my blog name is die danger die die kill aka 40k learn and it people learn it the, and, the, uh, and the URL is die danger die die kill dot blogspot.com and if you go there uh, you'll find links you know it's basically a portal to all of the other wings of the 40k empire you can uh, go to the twitter page go to the our tumblr uh, and the and the facebook page so we have all that good stuff so uh, check it out We'll uh, provide all the links we can in the show post uh, for this episode. So, uh, But anyway, this has been Taiwan R9, so thank you for listening. This is Kenny B, and with me was my uh, new good friend, Todd. <laughs> <laughs>